Well, it's good to see each of you here this morning. Uh, we are officially in phase two, so that's a super great thing. Uh, it's good to see uh, this happening and going on. I wanted to, uh, to mention a few announcements. When you come into the sanctuary uh, through the fishbowl door, there's a table there. Feel free to take uh, any information or material that you would like. Um, a few things I wanted to highlight. Many of you have gotten the newsletter. Um, we're trying to, to get a newsletter out every uh, couple of weeks or at twice a month just to give people information, let us know where we're at, what's going on. Uh, the table is also another resource um, where you can go and you can look at, at information and material. Um, giving, so we have the box when you come in through, this, through the door. You have a box offering or something. That is where you, you can drop your loose offering or your um, envelope for tithe. And then there's the schoolhouse. So you can contribute there as well. Uh, there's also a handout in the foyer or in the fishbowl for what offering is specifically. Many times it's in the bulletin, and so we can just read through the bulletin and see, oh, offering for September 12 is local church budget. We can see that in the bulletin, but we don't have a bulletin uh, right now. So uh, in this, you have the offering schedule, so you'll know um, what, what the offering is. Uh, if you want to contribute online, there is that as well. If you have internet access <clears throat> and you want the sermon notes from any of the sermon that I've shared both today as well as prior, you can go up to uh, PendletonAdventist.org and on there you can then click on the sermons tab and you'll see all the sermons that's been preached of recent. It will include this. Um, PDF so you can download it and look at it in electronic form. Um, I will put this on the table um, before I leave, um, but I'll, I'll give you also a, a larger font. I think that's important, important too. Um, this nation, it's interesting as you look at this map, I just downloaded it the, yesterday morning. This is all the fires that's going on. Um, from really North South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, west. Um, we got a lot of fires. So right now we have fires out. The smoke is, is uh, quite thick. Even in the sanctuary here, we have a little haze of smoke. If you look at the, the, uh, the light streaming from the projector, you can see there's smoke visible. So the masks are nice, the masks are helpful, it keeps out the particles. But um, they say the N95 mask, you heard about that? Yeah, it's helpful for COVID, but it's also helpful for the smoke. I noticed yesterday there were some contractors working on one of the houses that's burned um, several months ago. Uh, they were all, all wearing masks. So um, it's good. Uh, something to keep in mind, uh, Raymond Christensen, uh, you know him or familiar with him. He is right now on, on hospice care, so keep him as well as his family in prayer um, as they go through this, uh, 
uh, experience column. I don't think it's good for us to uh, to um, bombard them, right? With everybody coming to visit all at once, but you know, phone calls, um, send them a letter or a note saying we're praying for you. Uh, that's important, but also tangibly, if you're able, um, you know, put something together and bring them a care basket or, or something like that. Um, before we uh, go any, any further, um, something I want to add, if I remember every Sabbath, is there any specific prayer requests you'd like to to mention? We're a small group, a group that I think it's good for us to mention. Um, you have prayer requests, something you'd like us to remember in prayer? Yeah. Yeah, if not... Um, anymore. Let's let's uh, have a word of prayer before we go any further. <clears throat> Father in heaven, it's good to be here today. It's good to uh, spend time with your people. It's good to have this message to share with each one uh, of us as we open our Bibles. I pray that you guide us and direct us. I pray that you lead us uh, into uh, understanding what this message says or has for us. May we hear, understand, and may your spirit uh, work through us that we can um, uh, become uh, who, you, who you want. Um, guide us this morning, I pray. Direct us and in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, some things I, I wanted to mention again, or maybe not again, but uh, some brief things I wanted to mention. Uh, if you are a lady, I know ladies that would like to go, there's a women's fall retreat. It's happening October 24. If you want to register, and if you have internet access, you can go to uccsda.org slash women's retreat. You could also probably call the conference office and um, find out how you can register. If you know someone, you can point them to those uh, tools or, or ways to register. So this, this coming October 24, the women's retreat topic is the table guest speaker or keynote speaker is uh, Kara Johnson's, Johnson. So um, I think it's, I'm here, it's going to be a good program. Next, if you are someone who doesn't go to retreats, that you don't uh, maybe like to go to retreats, men's ministries or the men's group, um, they're doing a, tr a retreat for men who don't like to go to retreats. <laughs> yeah. Weekend for men who don't go to retreats at Camp Myvin. It's September 25 through 27. So if you want to find out more about this uh, retreat, it's a fairly relaxed, from what I understand, a relaxed um, atmosphere, relaxed uh, program. But there will be opportunity to to have, they say in their ad, participate in weekend shenanigans. 
supporting and challenging each other to reach our full potential. Uh, whether you're a guy who, who is a bachelor or a boyfriend or a husband or a father, it's all about becoming a follower of Jesus. So they're going to have a good time but they're also going to learn more about what a disciple or a follower of Jesus looks like. Um, and the cost is $99. And it's two nights lodging and six meals that's included in that. So if you're interested in participating or going to, to that, you can go to www.summitnorthwest.org and there you can, you can sign up and uh, get more information. You could also probably call the conference office if you don't have internet access and you can get a phone number and find out from them uh, a, another way to, to register. So, last Sabbath, you remember what we talked about? Last Sabbath's uh, sermon title was How Much Faith is Enough Faith. If you didn't if you uh, didn't uh, hear the message and you want to, I can burn you a CD or you can go up to uh, our website and look at the sermon, listen to it and find out what the sermon was about. How much faith is enough faith? And so that then launches us into the sermon for today. gets us started, and, and the book that we're going to be studying or looking through is Hebrews, but specifically Hebrews chapter 11. So I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, uh, I would encourage you to get your Bible and, and follow along, because I'm going to do something a little different today, uh, in that I'm going to read the book, read the chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, uh, it's important, I think, for us to get the whole context and perspective of what's going on. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we'll be reading. In Iowa, when I moved there, I bought a piece of property. It was 20 acres, and it was glorious. It was wonderful. It was out in the country. The closest town was Ryan, Ryan, Iowa. And the closest, it, w it was about, say, maybe five miles from where, where I own this or bought this piece of property. Anyway, on, on this piece of property, I, I wanted to go out and explore more, right? Because with our realtor, we went out and looked in the buildings and there were about a dozen sheds and barns and all that uh, in addition to the house. So I was out walking through, going through the barn, going through the, the farrowing house, because it used to be a hog farm. Um, went through all the sheds and looked at the things that the farmer maybe had left or you know people prior to us had left. Anyway, behind one of these sheds or, or barns, there was a great patch of green. And it looked, looked very similar to this picture, but it was much larger. It was a very, very large patch, and I didn't know what the plant was. 
It was probably eight foot or so tall, uh, and the patch was, I would say, maybe 25 or so feet wide, and it stretched probably the, you could, it was the length of this sanctuary. So it was a very, very large patch, and I thought I, I didn't want to retrace my steps to go back to the house. I just kind of thought, well, maybe I'll just go through this patch of plants and uh, go to the house. So I, I made my way through the, the patch, and it was fairly thick, and I was pushing plants to the side, and yellow material, pollen from the plants were falling down from the flowers, and... Um, getting on my clothes, and I became, I don't want to be overdramatic with the story, but um, about halfway through this, this patch of weeds, I don't know if you're familiar with what this weed is, but about halfway through, my eyes began to get watery, and my throat began to itch, and my sinuses were itching and I was starting to sneeze and my nose was running and it became harder and harder for me to breathe and while I didn't believe myself to be dying it felt like I was <laughs> I felt like I was um, it was just an experience that I've never I'd never gone through before and I, I finally did made, make it through the patch and I went back to the house and promptly took a shower to get all this pollen off of me because I knew that that was causing me problems and got a neti pot and, you know, all these different things trying to clear my, <laughs> clear my head. I had a severe, I learned a severe allergy to ragweed. And from, from that day until I sold the property, I waged war on ragweed, right? Because it was something that this property, the people prior to me did not have this issue because there was ragweed everywhere. And so I was spraying, I was digging, I was mowing. Uh, before the plants got tall, I was out getting rid of these weeds. I didn't know what they were when we, when we moved there. But I did shortly after we moved there. There's something that I learned in that experience. Things are not always as they seem. Things are not always as they seem. I invited you to get your Bibles and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 in this chapter, we see a lineup. Maybe you've read the book before. We see a lineup of heroes, people that we call heroes of the faith. And we see these people in their finest hours. But things are not always as they seem. For as we read the Bible, if we go through Hebrews chapter 11 and then branch out, to the rest of the Bible, we can, we can see real honesty. For we can see or we can discover that these heroes, these heroes of the faith, they faced their own flaws. 
They had their own struggles and they also had victories. They were ordinary men. They were ordinary women that had stories of of what God accomplished through them. It's, I believe, the same with those we encounter every day. We look at and we admire and we, we follow. It's interesting, Facebook or other uh, avenues of, or, or other social media, we, we follow people, right? And it looks good. Their life looks, looks great. But there are times when that's all we see. That's all we see. And so we don't see necessarily their, their struggles or their problems that they're encountering on a, on a day-to-day basis. Maybe, though, we do see the veil comes off and we see posts or we see kind of a, a more caustic um, perspective come out. We look on the outside as we see each other. We look and see the exterior, but God looks at the heart. So I'd like you to, again, uh, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And I would like to, to read with you the chapter of Hebrews, because I think it gives us an idea of who these guys are. It's one thing for us to, to know the names, isn't it? It's one thing for us to know the names, but as we read the stories in Hebrews 11, we get to then reflect on who these guys really were. Abraham is, will be mentioned. Did Abraham have it all together? No. Samson is mentioned, isn't he? Did, did Samson have it all together? There's different people that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, and I think it's really important. For me, it's critical to understand. It's very super important for me to understand who these men and women are. Uh, Rahab, did she have it all together? All right, you remember who Rahab is? Who, uh, who Rahab was? She was a lady that was in Jericho, Right? The spies came in, and she gave them shelter, right? What kind of lifestyle did she live? Was she on the up and up? No, she was the, she was the, the city prostitute, right? But the spies gave her opportunity, put, put out a, a, a red cord out your window, and God will save you, right? Your city will not, or your, your part of the wall will not crumble. So, again, let's open our Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll start reading with verse, or reading verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through, through their faith, the people in, in old days, or in days of old, earned 
a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God through than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Verse 5, It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed what God, when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. There he was like a foreigner, living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though, he was, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died, still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such, such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Verse 15, if they had longed for, this, for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham off offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, 
was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is a son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And so, in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that, that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for about three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking, he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went, went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of, of Gideon, Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, David, Samuel, and, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strength in, strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their lo loved ones back again from death. But 
others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see a lineup of people. We see a lineup of heroes of the faith. This is their finest hour. We read through of different individuals. This is their high point. We don't hear of their dark points. But we know the dark points are there. God does not accentuate those. We know that they're there because we can read about them in the Old Testament, right? David is a man after God's own heart. But what was David like? Things are not always as they, as they seem. For as we read the Bible with real honesty, we discover that these, these heroes of the faith faced their own flaws. They faced their own struggles and they had victories. They were ordinary men and women. And they had stories to share. Stories of what God can accomplish through them. It's the same with those we encounter on a day-to-day basis. We encounter, we we admire, we, we revere, and we follow. In a moment, it looks like they they have it all together. But we're unaware of their struggles. We're unaware of their flaws and We don't see their daily victories. For we, again, we look on the outside. But God looks at the heart. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see a description of faith in action. How God's people have always lived by faith. The author's purpose is not to prove that these people 
had great faith, but instead to give examples of what faith lived out looks like. So despite the ups and downs, I would like for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I really believe that this is in part the conclusion of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 12, specifically in verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we look at all these people, we are told, therefore. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to live to crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, let us what? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the faith God has set before us. Verse 2, I think, is really important for us to understand. Verse 2, what does it say? Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, verse 2. We do this. How? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. What does Jesus do? He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's Jesus. Old Testament, it's Jesus. So what are you struggling with today? What am I struggling with today as I'm surrounded by plants that are causing me a great allergic reaction. Who cures the sin problem? Who, what does it say, initiates and perfects my faith? It's Jesus. Right? So there's a work to do. What is it? Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He's the one that initiates and perfects your faith. So if, if you look at your life and you see an area where you're struggling, you look at you, your life and you see something that you're fighting against and it seems like it's a battle that happens every single day and you seem to not be able to gain the victory. What can we do? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because by beholding what happens, you become changed. Right? You become what you're beholding. So if we want to be like Jesus, look to Jesus. Keep our eyes 
on Jesus. As we are trying to fight a sin and we're looking at the sin that we are trying to overcome, what do we become more like? We become more like what we're looking at. So by beholding, you become changed. So that's why I believe Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 2, why he says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus because He is the champion. He, he initiates. And he, he perfects our faith. Struggling? Yeah. Look to Jesus. And He'll gain the victory. Why? Because He's already gained the victory. And He can still do it in your life and mine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look at our lives, and sometimes it's easy to get into the mire of it, struggle against something that maybe we know is sin, Maybe we've been told that it's sin, uh, but we fight against it. Uh, the invitation today is that we refocus. We look to Jesus. What does that look like? Every day sitting down and finding out more about who he was. Look to Jesus. Open our Bibles and read about Jesus. Read the stories about who he was. Read the stories of who he is. For as we do that, we become who or what we're looking at. I pray as we do that, draw near to us, live in us, live through us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.